0: take your Bibles, and for a few minutes this morning, turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 7, if you have a Bible, turn there. For the last several weeks, actually since we've been gathering together, we've been talking about face-to-face. We've been looking at at texts within the Bible, particularly in the the Gospel of Luke, of occasions in which Jesus had these face-to-face encounters with people. Uh, Jesus had these face-to-face encounters with people, and the people would always leave in a different way. You will find, as you've perhaps found out already, that on no occasion did did somebody who was face-to-face with Jesus not have an opportunity to make a choice. In many cases that are recorded, they, they chose to do what Jesus told them to do and, and their lives were transformed. And from that day, from that, that face-to-face encounter for the rest of their lives and throughout eternity, they're different. There there are some, as you will see, there are also some who had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus and chose not to respond as he directed them to, and their lives, they did not remain the same, they got worse because they failed in that face-to-face encounter. My point is, with all of these messages, that these face-to-face encounters that are recorded throughout the Gospels that people had with Jesus are not simply there as a point of history, but we can experience Now, what they experienced then, that Jesus desires to have, not a face-to-face, as in we see his face, someday we'll see his face, what a great day that's going to be, but he is a a very personal, he is God with us, and he desires these these personal encounters, these life-change moments, and so Um, This chapter of Luke contains another of these face-to-face encounters. In fact, this one is unlike, it has elements that are unlike, uh, very unlike many of the others. Luke chapter 7, verses 11 and 12 read this way. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a large crowd, please notice that, a large crowd went along with Jesus. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, (coughs) excuse me, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. So just pause there in the text. We'll read on in just a moment, but it says here that Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd. We're walking into this particular town. Imagine this in your mind. That crowd uh, it, it, I think it is a safe assumption, that crowd was there to see Jesus, perhaps perform some of the miracles that he had performed, and they were also there in part to hear Jesus say some of the things that he had been saying. So that's why this crowd was with Jesus. They wanted to see him do something, and they wanted to hear him say something. And I am quite confident, it doesn't record this, but I'm quite confident that this was an excited and happy crowd. They're happy because they've heard what he's done, and they want to see it again. They've heard what he's said, they want to hear him say Things like it. And so there I, th- there, I think there was an energy to that crowd. You ever notice that with crowds? There's, there's a certain kind of um, personality to different crowds of people. And this was an excited crowd. I mean, they were anticipating what was about to come. But it also says here that near the city gates, this crowd faced another crowd. At the front of that crowd, this second crowd... That is mentioned, people were carrying a coffin, it says, and that a coffin, as coffins do, held a a dead man. Now, this crowd, now you you understand, you, you got this picture, a crowd with Jesus and the disciples coming this way into town, coming out of town is another crowd carrying this casket. This crowd is not very excited i 've been in a lot of funerals i've officiated taken part in a lot of funerals and and rare would be the occasion where a funeral procession is marked by its excitement no see in that kind of a crowd there's a, there's a there's an element of sadness. People are down because they 're going to miss or the the person that passed away or they're they're hurting for the person who's Family members are left be- beside them. And so you have this, this crowd. This crowd, not, not very excited. Not like the other crowd. One person in the crowd, the Bible records in these few verses, was the broken-hearted mother of the dead man in the coffin. I think that few... I think every every parent listening to me this morning can identify even if we've not experienced it with the pain of this mother. The Bible says this is her only son. I would assume that she is maybe leading the coffin or walking behind the coffin or at the very least standing beside the coffin, but she's near the coffin. That's a safe assumption. Maybe there's people on either side of her kind of holding her up because this this mother is broken hearted. I've not been in this position, thankfully, but man, my heart goes out to this woman. It also says that she was a widow. Boy, these little words make a difference, don't they? She was a widow sometime before she had buried a husband. He's probably in the cemetery that they're walking towards. They probably have a a burial plot right near where her husband's remains are buried. Things haven't changed that much in 2,000 years. And so this woman is well acquainted with pain and sorrow of death. She would buried a husband and today, this day that we read about, she was burying her only son. Uh, again, I'm, I'm assuming some things, but they're safe assumptions. Life had been really hard for this woman, but let me tell you, it was about to become a lot harder. Because in that society, these were her supports, a husband who will provide for her. That's how it was in this society. And if he's gone, then the, the son, and usually the oldest son would do that. This was her only son, and now he's gone. This mother has a lot of pain. This is why she's at the front of this crowd and she is not excited. Now, look at the first five words of verse 13. It says this, when the Lord saw her. Just stop there. Do you see that? First five words. Now, excuse me, when the Lord saw her, or when Jesus saw her. Now, now, Jesus was very observant. He missed nothing. He's God. He sees it all. He sees the crowd. I'm sure he saw the crowd some distance off. He's at the front of the crowd of his crowd. He sees this other crowd. He sees the crowd, but he focused here, it says, in these first five words of verse 13, it says he focused on one person in the crowd. Please notice that. He sees the crowd, but he focuses in on one person who is in the crowd. See, Jesus has a way of doing this. There were a lot of crowds, but Jesus could stop and talk to one person. And he was. He saw the whole crowd, but he saw one person. As of this morning, at 8.30 this morning, there were just under 7.8 billion people in our world. That's a lot of people. I promise you, you can't even count to that number. You don't, you're not going to live long enough. Plus, you have other things to do. Seven point... I, it's, I know that's a number, and, and, and uh, uh, I mean, unless, unless you're you know, a part of the U.S. Congress, that, that's a big number, right? A billion. 7.8 billion people in our world today. But here's the thing, in that vast crowd, Jesus sees you. Isn't that neat? You know, we think, we talk about the, the enormity of God, right? He spoke everything into I'll comment on that here in a moment. He created everything. The universe is his creation. That is as big as I, of anything I can imagine. And yet the Bible also says that he knows the number of hairs on your head. He sees you. He's aware of you. So while I am amazed at the greatness of God, I'm also amazed at how he can focus in on one person. He knows who you are. He knows your name. He knows what you're going through. He is totally aware of you. He saw this woman, Jesus, sees the crowd, but he focuses in on one person. Jesus is face to face now with someone whose past and present were marked by death and whose future seemed absolutely hopeless. Look at verse 13 again. The whole verse. It says this. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. By the way, some translations put it this way. He had compassion for her. So when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And he said, don't cry. <laughs> now again, just imagine yourself here. This woman is... Overcome with grief, she's surrounded by people who are grieving for her. She comes upon Jesus and this other crowd, and the first thing that Jesus says to her is, don't cry, which seems, which seems that just, just on, sur- on the surface, it seems like an insensitive thing to say to someone who is burying their child. Unless you know what's about to happen. See, that's the key. See, unless you know what's about to happen, do you know that Jesus can say things to you that at the time you go, I no, that doesn't, I don't like that. But he knows the rest of the story. See, Jesus, Jesus said, Don't cry, but he also knows what's about to happen. But when she heard the words, don't cry, again, I want to be careful here, but I, I can't help but wonder if she thought to herself, what do you mean don't cry? I'm burying my only son. My future is uncertain. Don't cry. What kind of a command is that? Verse 14 tells us this. Then Jesus, picture this in your minds. Then Jesus went up and touched the coffin, and those who were carrying it stood still. Again, please notice this. It says here, picture it in your minds. Jesus says to the woman, don't cry. He walks up to the casket and he touches it, and the people who are carrying it stop. Why would they do that? Well, remember uh, last week we looked. In another chapter in Luke about that man who had leprosy, who's in the advanced stages of leprosy, and the Bible says that Jesus reached, the man came up to him, which was a violation of protocol, and but and then it says that Jesus, in his own violation of protocol, reached out and touched the man. Same kind of thing here. He touched a man who was considered unclean. That made him, that is Jesus, unclean. It was a huge taboo. It was a huge no-no, and it's much the same here because again, in this Jewish culture, in this tradition, is that that you could not touch a dead person. If you touched a dead body, either a human or an animal, then you were ceremonially unclean. You couldn't go into the temple. You couldn't go into the synagogue. You had to go through this kind of ritual to to become unclean, or rather, to become clean. And, And so Jesus did something by touching the casket, which also was a violation because the casket held a dead man. By just touching the casket, it was a huge no-no. And so the people who are carrying this, they know that they are unclean, but, but and they have to go through all this, but now someone breaks protocol, and they go up, and, and he touches it, and they stop. Jesus touched the coffin. Touching something that was considered unclean and making yourself unclean. So what Jesus did here... Again, a violation, but this shows us that no one, including even a dead person, is untouchable to Jesus. I love that. No one is untouchable to Jesus. There is a persistent lie that the enemy tells us, and that is you have done something so bad, so long, so evil, so despicable that even Jesus has nothing to do with you. That God hates you because of what you did. Let me tell you, Jesus loves you and he wants to touch you and make what is unclean, clean. But he'll touch anyone. I mean, you can have anything have done anything, have done it any number of times to yourself or to someone, but Jesus wants to touch something that is broken, someone rather that is broken, someone who is shredded, someone who has been fragmented, and there is no one, there is no one that he is unwilling to touch. I want you to get that in your spirit. Some of you this morning, perhaps here, perhaps you're listening and you're thinking, man, Is there hope for me? Absolutely, because Jesus can and will touch anyone. So, following the text here. So Jesus touched the coffin. The the coffin carriers, pallbearers, whatever you want to call them, stood still. And then verse 14 continues. Jesus said, young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk. Now, come on, people. Use your imaginations. (laughs) Wouldn't you just absolutely love to see the faces of the coffin carriers when the dead guy (laughs) sits up and starts talking? I'd love to see their faces. Man, replay it, Lord, when I get Replay that. I want to see their faces. You know, I... I, dead bodies do not bother me, never have. Bothered me the first time I ever saw when I was about seven years old, but ever since then, I, it's just never bothered me. I, I've been around a lot of people that have just passed away, or or bodies that were preparing to bury, and I'm not minimizing that, but I, I, I'm uh, or, or making light of it, but. A dead body does not bother me, but I'll tell you what, if I am six inches from a casket and they sit up and start talking, I'm going to get the shakes. I promise you, I'm going to get the shakes. And so would you. This is unexpected. Oh, by the way, guess who's face to face with Jesus now? A guy who seconds before was absolutely stone cold dead. Room temperature, dead. Dead. Getting ready to bury dead. He's dead. But now Jesus is face to face. And Poor guy, he's wondering. It says says he began to talk. What did he say? It doesn't say what he said. (laughs) I'm thinking he said something like this. What am I doing here? (laughs) Get me out of (laughs) here. Maybe that's what he said. I don't know. Maybe he said you chose this suit. I don't know what he said. Please notice that Jesus touched the coffin and they stopped, but it was when Jesus spoke that the man came to life. Did you ever notice that? It was his words. It was the words of Jesus. Now, Jesus could touch. We've seen that already in other face-to-face encounters. We've seen where Jesus touched someone and, and they were healed. But on this occasion and on other occasions, Jesus spoke. Touch the casket, but he's, when he spoke, that's when the, the dead man came to life. You see, Jesus was God. He is God. He still is God. And in the very, did you ever notice in the very beginning of this book, it tells us how God spoke everything into being, everything except mankind. Mankind, the Bible says he formed out of the dust of the earth and then breathed into him. That's how he formed mankind. But everything else, the Bible says he spoke it into being. Everything that you see uh, that is the non-human everything that everything else was spoken into being all of the natural resources that everything is made of God spoke that into being The word the word of God the spoken word of God is powerful It gives life it creates the word of god brings life that's what this book says in fact john chapter the, the gospel of john is unique john's gospel records nothing about the uh, the birth of jesus or the conception of jesus but it takes a cosmic view It talks about Jesus as God in the first chapter of John. In John chapter, listen to this. John chapter 1 verse 3 says this. Through him, that is through Jesus, through Jesus all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of men. Jesus did not have his beginning in a stable in Bethlehem or uh, conceived in his mother's womb in Nazareth. Jesus always was because Jesus is God. Jesus was present at creation. Creation. And it says again in John chapter 1, verse 3, Through him all things were made. The Bible tells us that when God speaks, things happen. The words of Jesus. Young man, I say to you, get up! Get up! And the words of Jesus brought life into the man. Hear me. The word of God continues to bring life. Do you know that any one of those pallbearers, casket carriers, coffin bearers, whatever you want to call there's not one of them could have said any number of words and that, would have, and, and that guy wouldn't have so much as lifted a little finger. Because they're men. And, 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 and the words of, of men can't bring life. In fact, let me, just, let me say this. The words of man can bring death. They can destroy. They can discourage. But the word of God brings life. Now, let me, I've said this before, but you know I'm going to keep saying it because we need to keep hearing it. There are so many words of people in our world today. There is no shortage of opinions. There's no shortage of people who are telling you, I'll tell you what, you start listening to things, and you're not going to know what to think. Uh, Have you felt this way? Boy, somebody says something, you go, oh, that sounds pretty reasonable. And then somebody says the the opposite thing in a very reasonable way, and you go, oh, that sounds pretty reasonable. And and after a while, you just don't know what to think. But I do know this, that when God speaks, it's absolute truth. And when God speaks, uh, uh, things happen. I, I, I'm going to say it. Some of you, particularly, some of you need to cut what you're listening to the words of men, whether it's on the radio or, or, or it's, it's on the TV or it's on the computer or it's on some blog. Listen, you need to cut that in half and you need to double your time spending in God's word. Hear me. Because if all you listen to is the words of men, I'll tell you what, it's going to wear you down and it may even kill you. But if you listen to the words of God, I'm not saying we shouldn't be aware of what's going around, but I'll tell you what, we, we can know what's happening in our world in about 15 minutes a day, maybe even less. But if you start listening exclusively to the words of, of men, uh, it, it's, it's, I, was, I was coming back from someplace and I, and I got in my, my pickup and I, and I turned on the radio Turned on my air conditioner first and then I turned on the radio and, and and I'm listening to this and within five minutes, oh, oh, I'm just listening to this and I'm so angry. I'm so I'm just I'm I'm hot. Angry hot. I'm I'm angry at at, at I'm, I'm j i am just I I'm just fit to be tied. And, and I and I want to just go and 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 lock yourself in your house and just oh man, what's gonna happen? And and even a little bit of fear. The words of a person did that. And they countered, they were, and I got thinking about it later, they were a direct a counter, a, a, an absolute contrast to what I had read this mo- the morning, that, earlier that morning in God's Word. God's Word brings life, man's Word brings death. So listen, I'm going to say it again. Cut listening to the words of others and maybe well put together, and they may be right, but you cut that in half and spend twice as much time, or three times as much time in God's word. And, 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 and your faith is going to go up, because the Bible says that how? faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. You want to grow in faith, and you want to see fear subside, spend time in God's word. That's what this man, this man he's alive. So the dead man was now alive. The mourners had nothing to to mourn. The coffin carriers had nothing to carry except an empty coffin. The grave grave diggers had to fill in the hole. No one, listen, no one could wreck a good funeral like Jesus. It's true. Did you know? It's true. Uh, You can check it later. Did you know that every time it's recorded that Jesus came upon a funeral, it was canceled? Check it out later. Every time, read through the Gospels. Every time Jesus came upon a funeral, they had to cancel the funeral. Every time. Huh, I got thinking, I wonder if some of those who later on, you know, when when uh, Pilate is saying, hey, you know, do you want, should I release Jesus or should I release uh, Barabbas? And, and the crowd yelled, Give us Barabbas, crucify Jesus. I'm wondering if some of them were grave diggers (laughs) and funeral home directors (laughs) because he's ruining their business. Every time the man shows up, they have to cancel the funeral. You have no idea how much money Kessler's was losing in their their Jerusalem branch. I had to call the caterers back. That was not in the notes. Why did it even go there? Listen, the only reason you are here today or the only reason that you are listening to this message is because Jesus stopped those who were carrying you to the grave and he gave you life. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. You were dead. You were dead, dead. You were, spiritually speaking, room temperature, dead. You are ready for the grave dead. They're ready to throw dirt on your coffin dead. But glory to God, somebody brought the gospel. Somebody brought the message of Jesus Christ. And way to your eternal death, Jesus brings eternal life. Glory to God. That's why you're here today. Because somebody told you about Jesus. That's why many of you are listening today or watching today. Because somebody told you about Jesus And I think of the thousands, I think of the thousands of spiritually dead people in our community who are dead and they don't even know it. I am not minimizing a a virus that is going around. We need to take precautions. I get all of that. But what of those who are already dead in their spirit and they're close to the grave, they're close to the end and they don't yet know Jesus? I'm not talking about a handful or hundreds But thousands right here in this community, people that you know, people that you live next to, people that you work beside, people that you study beside, people that are some of them even in your very home and they're spiritually dead. And somebody needs to take the message of Jesus Christ to them so that they will experience eternal life. Good news is that Jesus still touches death and turns it into life. On this weekend, on this weekend, in which we remember our nation's founding, please remember that for all the peoples of our nation, indeed for all the peoples in the world, our greatest need is not a renewal of patriotism. Well, if you were to measure it, it is, at a, it is at a low point and that makes me sad for I love my nation and in many regards I'm very proud of my nation. But, but, but that being said, the greatest need that we have in our nation is not a renewal of patriotism. It is not social justice, and there are things that are around us that are terribly unjust, but that is not our greatest need. Our greatest need is not reconciliation between factions of people. Our nation's greatest need is for people to be transformed from death to life through the person of Jesus Christ. That's why we do what we do. That's why we do what we do. That's why just this morning, these people have put so much time into leading us into praise and worship so that, we, so that people will know that there's one who brings life from death. That's why we bring these messages. That's why people work really hard to make it possible for people who aren't in the room to still hear this. That's why we're doing things. You heard earlier. Listen, we're not doing mega sports camp because we have nothing to do, but because there's some young people, there's some families who are right now dead, but they're going to hear it that Jesus brings life. That's why we do what we do. That's <coughs> why we tithe. If you're not tithing, you're sinning. It's the Bible says. That's why we give. That's why we send missionaries and support missionaries and pray for missionaries. That's why we do so many of the things we do in our community. I had a meeting, I'll give you details a little bit later on. I had a meeting this week with, with uh, one of the officials in our city saying, what, can, what more can we do to help you and to encourage you? Why am I doing that? Because I got nothing else to do? No, because there's, there's a lot of dead people who need life. <clears throat> it can only come from Jesus. That's why we do what we do. Now there's one more thing. I thought, yeah, I don't know if I should do this, but it's, it's, it's too important. It's a little bit different. Stay with me. There's one more thing I want you to see in this face-to-face encounter. It's something that, I, that will, I believe, mean much to some who are listening today. I've read this many times. Preached from it several times. Yet verse 15 records something that I had not noticed before. It says this. I love it. It says, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. (laughs) It says, Jesus gave him back to his mama. Other translations said, he was delivered to his mother. The woman who delivered him, he was delivered to his mama. Another one says he was restored to his mother. Remember I mentioned I would love to see the faces of the pallbearers when the guy sat up and started talking. More than that, I want to see the face of this mama. That little boy, oh, he's probably a, grown man. by He's a young man. But I'd love to see her face when she sees her son get set up and start talking and climb out of that coffin. A woman who had no hope, a woman who had a very uncertain future, is suddenly because Death is defeated by life, who suddenly has a future. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Perhaps you're listening today, and a child of yours, their spirit is dead. You have a son, a daughter a stepson, a stepdaughter, a grandchild. You have someone that you raised, someone that you mentored, someone that you had a huge influence upon. And you told them perhaps about Jesus or maybe you came to Jesus long after they were raised. But you look at them now with different eyes and you realize my son, my daughter, my grandchild, they're spiritually dead. Here's what I want you to do. Don't do it right now, but I want you to do it later or I want you to do it at home, but please do this. I want you to copy down there that those words of verse 15, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Fathers and mothers can both do this. You can, you can, you can rephrase it. <laughs> and Jesus gave her back to, his, to, her, to, to her father, or however you want to do that. And claim that verse and write it down, and pray it every day. Oh, Jesus, and name them. Jesus, bring my son back to you. Bring him back to life. God, right now they're running from you, and they're running hard. They're, 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 they're playing what we call the prodigal. It's a different story. They've turned their back on you, but oh, Lord, bring them back. Bring them back to you and then bring them back to me. You're the one, you're the only one who can soften their heart. By your Holy Spirit, draw them. The the Holy Spirit will not force them, but the Holy Spirit will draw them. Oh God, break their heart and deliver them, restore them, bring them back to this mother, to this father. Your child is dead, but Jesus has a great plan. And I look forward to hearing and maybe even seeing your face when you come and you tell this preacher, oh, I prayed it, I prayed it for weeks, months, even years, and Jesus brought my child back to life. So you need, you need to write it down. You need to pray it. I want you and I want others to come face to face with the life giver. That's what it's all about, Folks. There's a lot of important things in our world, but there's none more important than that, that every person come face to face with the life giver. And I would be absolutely wrong today to talk about the life giver and how he brings life from death without giving you the opportunity to respond. So here's what I'd like you to do. This morning... Would you bow your heads? And uh, I want to pray with you. We're going to have just a, a brief opportunity for prayer for your response. And um, and then I'm going to have you stand and we're going to close in prayer. Again, these altars are going to be open here in a few moments. So if there's a need that you have, there will be uh, two of the, the pastors uh, here who are are going to be up here and praying with people, perhaps others as well, and they'll agree with you if you want to be anointed for, for healing or some answer to prayer that you need. But right now, I want to give you the opportunity to experience the life giver. <clears throat> if you are here this morning and uh, you have never experienced new life in Jesus Christ, you have not yet um, come face to face, so to speak, with Jesus. If you were to die today, you perhaps are not sure if you would go to heaven to be with him forever. But the really good news is that you can know. And so right now, with no one looking around, just a moment, I'm going to give some directions to those who are watching online. But if you're here in this room, and you've not experienced that. I want you to do this. Would you raise your hand? I'm going to uh, uh, see you and just raise your hand and open your eyes and catch my eye, so that I can pray with you. Is there anyone here on the main level that would say, "Yes, uh, Pastor, I, 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 w- I want to know that I am the Lord's. I want to, I want to experience eternal life rather than the death that I'm in." Is there anyone here on the main level? we will just take a moment. So many of you have responded in the past thank God for that. Is there anyone in the balcony? Away, wait just a moment. I want to pray with you today. This morning, if you're watching us online, I want you to respond as well. There's a place there where you can reply, and if you're making this prayer today, then we want you to let us know. We want to make contact with you because we want to help you grow in your faith. i just Serving Jesus is not simply a one-time decision. That's how it begins, but it continues from there. So you can respond that way. This morning, is there anyone else here in, in, in in the building? Anyone else here on site? Say, yeah, I want to pray. Hallelujah. I would like you to stand with me, please. If you can, everyone, if you would stand with me. We're going to close in prayer. Uh, once again, these altars are going to be open. We're going to close this service off, but the service is done when, when you're done praying. And uh, there will be people coming up here momentarily to pray with you. Let's, uh, <clears throat> people, let's, let's remember that if we are saved, um, then we are, not, we are not those who are carrying the casket of dead people spiritually speaking. We are those who take the good news of Jesus Christ to those and we touch them and we speak to them and we share the word of God and they are transformed. So if you did not respond then I'm assuming that you are a follower of Jesus Christ and therefore you are a are a a, a life giver uh, God's hand extended to bring life to people around. So I'm going to pray for you. Let's close our time in prayer. Jesus, I thank you for these people who have gathered here today. I thank you, Lord, for those who are in the building and those who are listening online. And I ask, Lord, that every person within the sound of this weak voice would be reminded that we have a holy obligation and a holy calling. Use us for your glory to take the message, the words of God, who alone can change lives, who alone can bring life out of death, Lord, I pray that we would be your carriers of that. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. I pray your blessing upon these people in the coming days. I pray your favor upon them in the coming week. I pray that you would use them in unprecedented ways going forward. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for our nation but thank you for the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ of which there will be no end. Hallelujah. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. If you believe it, say amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and these altars are open.